Hey good people, this is your N.I. Down back with another reflection. And this is a personal journal for contemplative people looking to think, grow, and have impact in the world. So hey, I'm going to try to make going solo my starting point. Going solo. It's been an eventful week. It's been a very rich, rich week. And um, there's been a lot of intake of data. There's been a lot of perceiving. Some of that data was life giving it to me. It just happened. Things happened in the world and I took it in. And then some of it was me going to look for data to take in. And oftentimes I do that to balance out life. When there's something happening in the outer world that I'm taking and I can't control it, I feel more control when I can start either studying the phenomenon or I can, I start studying the mysteries of life. I start going into these really weird places like, like, you're like, well, what's the connection? And I think at the, I think at the root of that is that I'm feeling that there's gotta be some logic to this illogic, this, this, um, these experiences that I can't control. And I did an episode after my dad passed. I think I called it, I don't know. I did a, I did a few SE reality or whatever. But I came to understand then, because when my grandmother was dying, I was like, why am I studying all of this? Like, I just was going into science. I was going to, even when my dad died, I, go into, I went to science. I went to paranormal, paranormal activity. Um, of course, I like to go into quantum physics, um, even like crime shows, like, and naturally like philosophy and all of that makes sense. But I think what's weird for me is paranormal, paranormal activity. Like that's not something I'm interested in, but, or, you know, I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) anyway, anyway, when I, when, when the world feels out of control for me or there's something happening in the outer world that I can't control. I find myself going into trying to study it or I started trying to understand. I have these big existential questions and I start looking at the mysteries of life. Anyway, that was three minutes of gibberish. My apologies. So I said all of that to tell you that me say I want this episode to be about going solo is a little complicated with all of the content, all of the data that I've taken in this week. So before I do my disclaimers, I just want to take a second. I made a list of all of the things that I think I experienced this week. And I have nine things on a piece of paper. I think it was more, but nine is enough. So I just want to tell you what the nine things were, just in case I, I come across in this reflection as skittish, incomplete, all over the place, whatever, okay? So you, gives gives the system, you know, give me some grace. All right, so here, um, you know what? I'm not going to be able to do that in the time that's remaining for my intro. So I'll do it on the other side of the disclaimers, okay? I'm going to give you the nine things that have happened this week or the nine areas of, like, data points that I've taken in this week on the other side of the disclaimer. 
Hey, you guys, if you're new to this project, this is a personal journal where I process my inner and my outer worlds. I do so by using personality theory. The two theories that I use the most are the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram. Pushing those two systems together, I identify as an INTJ8. I also identify as an African-American woman from a lower socioeconomic background and from intergenerational trauma. I'm a trained and practicing educator and social scientist of about 30 years. Half of that time has been in leadership. Politically, I lean into tenets of critical race feminism, which means I have an intellectual sensitivity to social constructs of power, such as race, class, gender, sexuality, just to name a few. This project is unedited and is unscripted. To know more about it or me, feel free to go to my website at yournidom.wordpress.com. Um, little bit, little, little, little housekeeping. Last week I did housekeeping and it took me just, I did too much. <laughs> it just took too long. So, um, I've been, I told you guys I want to do a newsletter for those of you who are really, really committed to journeying with me in the world. And, um, the problem with, I'm learning that the problem with doing a newsletter is that I have to have a local address for that newsletter. That's just something I don't want to do because of the nature of the project. Um, and so, I mean, I hope I will if I ultimately have to, but I just want to not. So, um, I'm not sure if it will be a traditional newsletter. So I'm looking at other platforms that will give me a new, uh, newsletter feel. I think I found one that uh, will allow me to share in the newsletter it will allow me to give additional audio videos if I want and text. I'm really excited about that, but I'm nervous because I haven't priced it. And so we're going to see about that. So I just wanted to let you know that I am still um, trying to decide how I'm going to have this additional, you know, relationship with some of you who um, want more. And it's just a few of you, and that's fine. It really, really is fine. Uh, I'm a, I can be a grandiose person, but I have learned to be in this project okay with the people who are here. Because if you're here and you're coming back, then you're my people. Okay, and that's okay. That's what I need right now. And then the second thing I want to say is, um, for housekeeping, is um, thank you for those of you who received the last episode. So we just started season seven, and I did an episode on belonging, and I talked about four areas that I'm going through a belonging ship. Shift, <laughs> belonging ship, S H I P, shift, S H I F T. I have to spell it out because of the audio. And it, to me, when I went to go listen to it, it to me wasn't one of my better episodes. I was all over the place in, in this first half of it. I finally got into it that I felt good about, maybe halfway in there, but that, that intro. I was jumpy. Um, every little thing that came up in my mind, like as a side note, I had to address it. You know, my mind is an NI dumb. There's always these interweb, this webbing that happens in my mind. Um, and when I'm allowing my T to do its thing, I can, I can organize that web and talk and learn to do that fairly well, which is why a lot of NI doms don't like to talk un- unscripted. Because there's that web that's happening in the brain. But I'm pretty well, typically, disciplined. 
or I've become, I've learned to be disciplined. That means fix that. Well, last week, it, I wasn't, I wasn't disciplined. Every little web that popped in my brain, I started following it. So it was very difficult for me to listen to it. I actually started it and I stopped. And then it just kept getting plays. Like it kept getting, like, I have a relationship with my data and I can see, like, I know when an episode is like, okay, there's a standard I have for the episode. It's, you know, you can't compare it to other podcasters, right? Cause I'm nowhere in that element, that lane. But for me, historically doing this project for three years, I have a number that I look at to say, okay, it's in the pocket. When that episode doesn't hit that basic number, I'm like, ooh, that was a crappy episode. People didn't like that episode, like the episode that I called The Cell, C-E-L-L. Y'all did not like it. This week, two people downloaded it, or one person, but I got two additional downloads. Uh, so thank you. I finally made it over the 10 downloads ep- uh, number for, for that episode. But that was an example, like, oops, that's the data gave me that kind of feedback. They didn't like that episode. They didn't like that concept. And so, so I have a standard number. Well, anyway, the episode belonging that was released last week, it, it exceeded that. It exceeded that standard. Like, significantly. And I'm like, what? Like, that was, it just wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't appealing to me. So I went back and I listened to it again. And I tell you, that first half is sufferable. For me, it's sufferable. But maybe maybe you all like the, the disjointedness. I don't know. But anyway, I just wanted to say thank you for listening to that, okay? All right, let me give you the nine things that happened this week. Um, because, and I'm going to tell you why I, why there's nothing. Mm-mm. I don't think that there's a lot of... Um, I don't think it's an obvious connection between these nine things and my desire to say going solo. This, I said my starting point, I wanted to be going solo. And when I give you the nine things, you're going to be like, what's the connection? That's a very fair question <laughs> because I'm asking that question. Although I, I do, I have a hint of understanding the connection. Okay. So let me just, and we'll, we'll just work through it together. Okay. Let me give you the list. And this is in no particular order. It's not even in the order that it came in my brain because I started making a list and then I ran out at the bottom of the page. Then I went to the top Then I went to the side. So anyway, so this is not in any order, at least not that I'm aware of. Number uh, bullet point one, I'm just number one, friends with two question marks. Number two, glitch in the matrix. Number three, the triangle of my person that's sick. <sighs> then number four, I had a big, big fight with my sister, which is connected to the triangle. It was the worst argument I've ever had with her, ever. So that's big, y'all. So there's a lot there. I do, I'm afraid to touch that one because I know I'll fall into a rabbit hole on that one. Number five, attachment theory. Number six, body suffering. Body suffering. Number seven, the forest. 
The forest is a metaphor. I got introduced to that this week. If you're from the solo community, you might already know what I'm talking about. One second, y'all. Number eight, three white men. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to say three blind mice. No, three white men. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Number nine, next level commitment. Um, to, I just want to call it the next level commitment. I have the word business down, but I don't think it's just business. I think it's lifestyle. Number 10. Did I say nine things? I might have to recount this. Number 10. Wellness versus purpose. Wellness versus purpose. Yeah, it's 10. I said nine. It's 10. I'm going to repeat it, you guys. Friends, glitch in the matrix. The triangle of my person, fight with my sister, attachment theory, body suffering, the forest, three white men, next level commitment, and wellness slash purpose. I don't know where I'm going to start. Let me start by trying to jump ahead and talk about why I think, I think that's a good place to start. Why, why I'm naming, why I want to start with going solo. Okay. It doesn't mean that's where I'm going to end. That's just where I want to start. So I got um, introduced to this podcast. Um, it's called Solo. I don't. I don't always focus on promoting other people's content. Um, I just for a number of reasons. I don't usually. But sometimes I have to because it's just that relevant. And this is an example that I haven't listened to one episode on that podcast that has disappointed me. Every time I listen to that podcast, I'm just reminded more and more and more and more of who I am. Isn't that interesting that you have, you can go to a a podcast and listen to somebody that you will probably never meet and you find yourself in a podcast. And there's another podcast that hit me like um like that I thought and that's the podcast of the husband and wife team I talk about now that one is a little complicated just because um there is um there's some conflict that I have internally not externally with them but I have some conflict internally with them political conflict so you depart you know in my introduction when you hear me say I'm a critical race feminist I'm in, I'm sensitive to social constructs of power. They're, the husband and wife's podcast does not attend to social constructs of power. Now, what is beautifully complicated about that is I don't need them to. <laughs> it's really weird. I want them to. I would like them to. But I don't need them to to attend to the issues of power because I understand, number one, there are not many people in this. Um, I would I, I think I feel I'm going to say something that's pretty bold. There are not many people living. I, I think that's pretty, pretty damn bold of me to say this. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, like this, this feels like a dumb thing to say, but I'm going to say it, y'all. I'm going to say it and then let you judge me because I'm Gary, judge me. But anyway, I'm going to say it. There are not, let me just put it this way. There are not many people 
that can go in and talk about power at the level that I can talk about it. Um, which makes me, I was thinking earlier this week about why am I not pursuing a um, a postdoctoral studies? I've been thinking about doing postdoctoral studies around power just because I feel like I'm sitting with a lot. And I want to, I want to validate, you know, a lot of what I know about power comes from research. Yet I am an NI Dom. So some of it is coming from my own intuition. And I want to, I want to further study that what's coming to me and my intuition. So anyway, I thought this week, I'm like, man, man, there's so many things I want to do. And that's an unfortunate thing that I'm not pursuing a postdoctorate. Um, and it's not off the table, but, you know, if I think about going back to school, one of the things I think about is theology for a num- for some political reasons, believe it or not. For some political reasons, I'm thinking about going back to school for theology. But, and then sometimes I think about going back for getting a second master's in business and business administration because I hate it so much. And then this week it was like, yo, you're sitting on this a lot, this richness around power. We need to do something with that. You need to do you need to do some more studying and validate it rather. Just do some more validation of it. But anyway, see I just fell into a rabbit hole. But anyway, let's get back. So the husband and wife team, they don't attend to power. Um and and if they, even if they did, I don't think that they would do it to my satisfaction. And I don't think, who am I? <laughs> right? And then um, they have brought in guest speakers who are like doctor this and, you know, sociologists, which is good. But it just doesn't, it just doesn't scratch the surface. You know, it just doesn't scratch the surface. But anyway, so it's complicated because a lot of times when they say things, it it is a, it's a violation. It's uh, either, it's, mm, it's a, no, I don't want to say violation. It's a clear indication of a power schema that governs their thinking. There it is. There's a power schema that governs their thinking and it comes out in how they talk. They wouldn't know that or would they care, nor would they care, right? And, and, and all of that. So I have just learned to just like, okay, you know what I mean? Like there's so much goodness in their podcast. That I'm just going to quiet the noise, the power noise that, that oftentimes screams at me. Okay, let's go back to the solo podcast. There has been one, there's like, there is one thing that I'm questioning about power with the po- uh, solo podcast. But for the most part, this podcaster and that community, that's what they're doing. They're like breaking through power dynamics as it relates to how to be in the world. Um because the current structure of power says this is the way you live. And this community is like, nope, nope, no, that's not, that doesn't have to work for everybody. So the essence of it, but anyway, I said all of that to say those, there hasn't, the last time I was impacted by a podcast at this level was with the husband and wife team. Cause they really did change my life. The husband and wife team changed my life as it relates to me understanding myself as an NI Dom. When I, and I got my, I'm an INTJ and learning what that means in context to the 15 other types, learning what 
it means to be an NI Dom in a sensory world, changed my life. And in terms of my own abstraction, like my, my, my ability to get into an abstract paid space for an extended period of time and to identify patterns and to make meaning in a way that I'm not even conscious of doing it's it's rapid was something that I didn't have a healthy relationship with. And so I've pinged that dominant function I have, introverted intuition, NI dominance. I've pinged his before I met the husband and wife team, I took that thing that I experienced as an NI dom and I put it in two buckets. The primary bucket that I put it in was a God bucket. It was God. And while I did go through 10 years of being a a self-professed atheist, I was born and raised in a faith-based community. And I went to Catholic school. So this idea that there is this entity bigger than uh, this outside of this physical realm is something I was raised in. So having a deep sense of knowing in a way that is unexplainable, you can't explain it. Um, having um, just deep insight, answers like an answer will, will come to me. And I mean, it's just something that I've always had and I couldn't explain it. And other people, and this is the thing, this is, this is what's, fascinating about NI Dominus for me in my world, especially what I'm going through right now. Um, and I think, and this is in large part, the reason why my sister and I had a fight. That NI Dominus will know a thing beyond any sensory data. So sensors who need sensory data to validate a thing is real have a really hard time with an intuitive who not only am I saying I know this, I'm making some critical decisions on that knowing, even though it isn't measurable based on a sensor standard. And it can and as we are going through this very difficult time with our person who's fighting, I keep saying her illness, but she's in stage four cancer. And it's just not looking good, y'all. I don't want to cry. I might cry because this is real, y'all. It's okay if I'm gonna. I'm just gonna let you know. I, I, I just it just has to be okay. But anyway, I'm gonna try not to. <laughs> but it's just it's not looking good, and our stress level is through the roof. It's through the roof, and like I said to you all before, because of how this person is situated in the family. There is no reprieve in the family. It's very difficult to go to another family member to talk through this. You know, you say you got to, when you're going through somebody, find somebody to talk to. It's not, the family is not a resource right now because we're all, I said it, I think I said it last week. My family's on fire. It's just a really difficult time for everybody. Um, one of my aunts that I haven't been really talking to, uh, I sent a text. I mean, the, my grief after my fight with my sister 
and it was a, I spent time, I spent time with the person. And so today is Saturday, Friday, Thursday, I'm sorry, excuse me. Today's Sunday, I'm sorry. Today's Sunday, Saturday, Friday, Thursday. Okay. No, Friday. I'm sorry. Oh my God. I, my days are just, my days are just confusing, confusing. Okay, you guys, I had to push the pause, pause button for about a minute or two because I was like, oh my gosh, my days are just, I can't distinguish. But okay, I had to fight with my sister on Friday. I spent the evening with the, my person on Thursday. Excuse me, and Friday evening. I think in the in the aftermath of those two very difficult days, Thursday and Friday, I texted I texted my aunt and I just said how I'm feeling so much sadness for my person. Like I'm feeling a sadness for me for a couple of reasons that I want to talk about, but I don't know how to talk about it yet with you all, okay? That's really the episode I need to do with you all. So either I don't know how I'm going to do it because a part of me wants to just do it in that private platform that I'm going to create for a few of you because uh, it's deeply personal. But I feel like it's so it is so instrumental in my journey of of trying to become solo. It's a, I'm not going to be able to go solo at the level I want without acknowledging this piece of me that I haven't been able to really talk about. So it's got to do, I got to do it. Don't know how I'm going to do it, but I know I have to. But anyway, so there is, my apologies. So there is, um, so there's grief for me in this undisclosed way. There's grief for, I'm going to be grammatical. I'm going to be non-grammatical right now. There's grief for me and these other uh, and my sister, I was just going to say that. Um, and then there's grief for my person. I think that's the hardest part for me. I think that's the part that's hated me the most. I have so much, so much, so much sadness for her. So I can cross off one thing on the list because I just told you the triangle. The triangle is grief for me, grief for my, me and, me and my sister. I know I'm not being grammatical, and for the person, and I'm not knowing really, really, really not knowing how to manage that those that level, that triangle. It's it isn't, it's not easy, you all. It is not. So anyway, in the height of that, I texted one of my aunts that I haven't really been speaking with for. You have to go and talk, listen to some other episodes, and. She did ask me if I need to talk, and I was like, no, I am i don't know. I'm speechless. I don't even know what to say. Now, <laughs> what I really need is somebody to have enough insight to talk to me, right, to talk to me, to guide me through a process, to help me to sort out my thinking and my feelings. But that's a heightened level of, that's a skill that I, people in my world don't have. And so because they don't have it and I have a need for it, then I can get frustrated, then it gets complicated. And so I'm very impressed this week 
several people asked me if I needed anything. And all I could say is, I'm speechless. I can't tell you what I need. I'm speechless. And that was honest. And if, but it also felt safe. Otherwise, I felt like if I would have told the people that who reached out that I really do need something, I really do, it would have been exasperating for them to try to give me something that they cannot give me. And for me to have to pretend like I appreciate what they've given me when they haven't given me what I wanted. So it just, I found myself saying this week, I'm speechless. No, I don't, I don't know what you can do for me. I'm speechless. And that's true, but there is something that I do want. So anyway, I texted my aunt and, um, and she asked me what I need. I said, I'm speechless. And that was that. Well, yesterday morning, which was Saturday, she calls me and I answered. And, and I love what she said. She was so honest. She said, I didn't want to call you. She said, I dreaded calling you. And I was like, what? I, you didn't have to call. Like, I didn't get it. But the short end of it is that um, she didn't c- confront my pain because she's dealing with her pain. She said, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't want to make your pain worse, and I don't want to make my pain worse. So she said, I dreaded calling. And that was a really honest thing to say. And I appreciate her sharing that, right? I appreciated that honesty. I think that's the challenge that I have with my family is that we try, um, you know, I'm not going to say it's just my family, but in this need to, pro- to project that we're okay and look at how great we are as a people, as a family. Look at how amazing we are. There's this denying of vulnerability, denying of truth, which complicates things, for especially for me. Anyway, so I appreciate her saying that. So that's all I'm saying is this, that it's, um, it's just a situation that you just, I don't, I don't even know what to say. Right. So I just don't know what to say. So I don't know where I was um, going with that. Let me put you guys on hold for a second. Cause I got to get my thoughts together. Cause I'm like, where the hell was I going with this story? Hold on. Okay. You guys, I apologize, but I don't know where I was going. So I'm going to just drop it. I've done this before. I'm going to just drop in where I was ultimately trying to go in terms of trying to go solo. And when it comes back to me, I will brief the gap. So my apologies for the disjointedness. So, um, uh, going solo for me has heightened this week. Um, It's heightened for me this week. I was um, introduced to the podcast, the solo podcast in June. It speaks to me. It speaks to me, y'all. It just, it is me. <laughs> it is me. I am it. We are one. <laughs> so, um, but even though it is me, one of the things I have been wondering is, do I have do I have the right infrastructure in my life to really support solo a solo lifestyle? That's the main question that's been happening. Do I have the right structure or resources? 
that would say that's 75%, let's say 70. That's been occupying my brain at 70% around the idea of going solo. The other 30%, which isn't really, which I'm really struggling with is, is that really me? So even though I can listen to this content, I'm like, oh my God, that's me, that's me, that's me. Then there's a, there's a, there's 30% of me that's saying, but is it? Is it really, really you? Fundamentally? Or is it you in an, in an adaptive way? That I have adapted to the world. And in my, in my adapting to the world, being solo makes the most sense for me. Or, let me say it differently. In my adapting to the world, I have become solo. So, you know what I mean? So it's not, I think that's the thing. I've become solo. Am I solo? Because I've, I'm adapting to it, the external world. Or am I just solo by nature? And then that makes me wonder, what's underneath the solo movement? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Nope. Mm-mm. It makes me wonder what's underneath being solo, period. For anybody who identifies as solo, what's underneath that? Now, somebody who's listening to me who is like already resolved that they're solo, they're not having these questions and all that, whatever, that's fine. They may go, there's nothing underneath that. It just is. I don't know if I agree with that. Because when we look at monogamy... We get, and when I say we, I've seen, I feel like articles that I've read, it, and maybe on the podcast I'm talking about, where there has been an interrogation of what monogamy, what monogamy does, what does monogamy offer? The history of monogamy, right? We can poke that. Well, if we can poke monogamy, then we should also be willing to poke being um, non-monogamous. Um, and I think solo falls in that. For a long time, I was saying solo poly, which I lean towards that. But I don't think that that's my foundation. I don't know yet. This is all new. This is all new. This I hope this whole season. I don't know when I, I think I closed out season six. And I was like, I'm going to be on this for a while, y'all. Because it was just so fascinating. It was so rich. The, the, solo, con, the solo content was just so rich for me. There's a lot to process. So anyway... Um, I'm wondering, am I solo deep down, like at my found at my roots, or am I solo as an adaptive situation or nature? I don't know, but either way, <laughs> you know, whether I am. Um, I moved into a different room. You also have the sound. If there's a noticeable shift in the way that I sound, it's because I'm in a different room. I'm going to be moving from room to room um, just for, for the sake of managing privacy. Um, but either way, uh, with whatever's underneath it, you know, whether I'm adapting or if it's my asset, true nature, the question is, do I have the right resources? Do I have the right structures? 
to live that life successfully? I can say no. <laughs> I know that answer, that I don't yet have it. I think, and I'm, I'm now starting to process what will I need? What will I need? What will I need to have the right structure? Okay. Now I need to go back to my list and I left the list in the other room. I don't feel like getting up, so let's try it. I think I can, like, this might be a good thing for me not to have that list in front of me. So here's what I want to do. I want to go into talking about the resources for being solo. I want to try. And in doing so, I am going to need to talk about my person and my sister. And that might challenge me being in a linear way. I might get loopy. (laughs) So I just want to give you the heads up. But it is in the spirit of trying to think through, do I have the right structure or resources to, to, to be solo? So let me say this before I talk about my person and my sister. The episode that I listened to from the solo community yesterday, I think it was, talked about, I think the title of that episode was Being Free in Community. Being Free in Community. And I was a little torn with that because it was something about that title that compelled me. And there was something about that title that repelled. Like, oh, no. So let me tell you about that that, that phenomenon of being pulled towards that title and being turned off by that title. I, you know, I have this running joke and I've, and I've done it on this podcast enough for those of you who've been following me, you won't know I've been, I've said this several times, like, how am I going to be solo poly? I don't want to have sex with one person. I'm going to have sex with several people, right? You know, because the nature of solo, excuse me. Yeah. Poly is having multiple relationships. Now, what I am doing with the solo poly philosophy, uh, philosophy is that Multiple relationships does not, it doesn't have to mean sex, multiple sexual relationships. It doesn't even have to mean multiple romantic relationships. What it means is having multiple committed relationships, multiple primary relationships, multiple primary committed relationships that are equal. That's what it means for me. That's the, um, that's the, that's what I'm really, really, really drawn to. I'm very much drawn to that. I don't know if I'm against having multiple relationships. <laughs> romances but I will say I feel like at a deficit because if I don't have the bandwidth for one you know like I talked about in in the solo poly episode I said I don't know if I have the emotional bandwidth to to monogamy to be all in with one person well what does it mean to be all in with several people unless I'm not going to be all in and that's the notion of solo Polly, because I'm all in with myself first as the primary, and then I'm having these other relationships. Now, does that mean that these other relationships are secondary, or does that mean that they're all equal to me being in the primary relationship with myself? You know, I kind of like that. I like I like saying that those other relationships um, are primary, but they're equal to the relationship that I have with myself. Is it just makes sure it just makes 
It's just protecting and making sure that I never, ever again remove myself from the equation. Never again. So, um, so I'm, I'm like, I'm looking at myself as in a deficit lens right now. Like, I don't, I don't feel like I have the emotional bandwidth to do it. Um, well, I don't know. That feels so harsh. Let me restate that and be a little more positive. (laughs) I don't know if I have it. I'm not going to say I don't. I just don't know if I have the emotional bandwidth to be emotionally, whatever that means. Because when I think about being committed to people, that I can do that. I can be committed to multiple. I can communicate responsibly, be thoughtful and considerate, spend time, be vulnerable, be intimate. I don't feel like I have a shortage of that. What I feel like I have a shortage of is an emotional bandwidth. So it makes, so I've been doing a lot of typing. So I've been merging two worlds together. It's interesting that I started this episode by talking about two podcasts because really those are the two they represent symbolically two schools of thought right now and I'm trying to in my NI Dom self I'm trying to integrate them into a single philosophy so I'm saying philosophy but I don't I don't know if that's the right way to frame it but let's just go with it so the solo solo philosophy is one and then the philosophy of Typology is two. So a part of me is trying to merge those two, solo and typology. And one of the things I've wondered, would you say the majority of the people who are in the solo community, if those are perceivers, not judges, because perceivers want to move about more than judges do. Judges like to have some finality, some predictability, some structures. So part of me says, I wonder if those people, most of the people, like remember when I said what's underneath the solo, that does that orientation to be solo, that's not my, my, my hunch is that solo isn't the foundation. Solo isn't the foundation to itself as solo, that there's something underneath that. So for me, it's the desire to be in the, to protect my independence, to protect my freedom, protect my energy. So that's what's underneath it for me. But to protect my freedom and my independence and my energy doesn't mean that I need to have a wide span of, I don't need, I don't need to, have the freedom to go venture off into a lot of different places. Like the one lady in the episode, uh, freedom and community. She's like, um, one day I was in this city, then I was in this city. And then I was just, I was like, dear God, listen to her. Like, is that fun for real? <laughs> that does not, <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah. So anyway, um, what was I going to say? I just lost my train of thought. Um, so that's one thing. I'm like, are those perceivers? 
I don't know if I would say those are sensors. The other thing is I'm like, those are probably more of your intuitive people. Because there's a lot of meaning making in those episodes. A lot of theorizing, conjecturing, leaping, looking at patterns, exploration, right? So if I were going to bet, I would say, even though in our society, our society is made up of uh, sensors, I always thought it was 75%, but I just got some new data that would say, that said 70%, but either way, right? Sensors are the majority. Well, I believe in this solo community, the the intuitives are the majority, which is yeah, <laughs> which is why I feel, which is why that podcast just feels so good for me, right? Like, yo, those are my people. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, I think that those are into, if I were going to say, I think those are intuitives and intuition is a perceiving function anyway, but in terms of outward facing, um, that's a different story in typology. I don't want to get off into, do not let me fall into a rabbit hole around typology. The other thing I've been wondering are those feelers. Like, yo, you got to have a lot of emotional bandwidth to be like, to attend to somebody else's emotions. Now I'm like, I'm going to be able to attend to your structural needs, your intellectual needs. I can do a little bit of your emotion. I really, really can't, but it's, it's taxing for me to have to attend, um, to someone's emotions. And this is, I'm going to just talk about my sister for a second. And I want to be really honest. I think that this is part of the problem for my sister with me. Now, here's another triangulation. Check this out. Whew. I'm trying to try not to cry, y'all, because this is the tire. This is hard. Okay, I spent time with my person Thursday. I overfeel my person. And so I don't talk about this a lot on the podcast. It's which is I realized this week, like I don't talk about it. But there was a time when I spent a lot of time before the podcast started three years. I was in this literature a lot. I don't know what has made me move away from it. But HSP, HSP for highly sensitive persons. What I love about the readings on HSP, because a lot of times people, which is what I felt initially like, HSPs are feelers, not necessarily. You have, you know, like INFJs, INFPs can be HSP because there's a feelers and they feel. An INTJ can be a, uh, be an, um, an HSP, right? And I don't want to get into how I think that makes sense because I do think it makes sense, but that would take me into a different direction. So I'm an INTJ that's HSF, HSP. I'm a highly sensitive person. And I, I, I pick and for what it means, whether you're picking up on feelings, um, and whatever, you, let me put it this way. And what you do with those feelings might differ based on your type, personality type, but HSPs are highly sensitive to the external, to the data in the external world. That's what it means. So whether you're highly sensitive to feelings, to thinking, to patterns. Oh my God, this feels good. This feels good, y'all. So that's me. 
I'm very, 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 very sensitive. So, you know, in my opening or my disclaimers, so I'm like, I have an intellectual sensitivity to social constructs of power, such as race, class, gender, sexuality, which is very, very true. But I could give a long, long, long list. I talked about being highly sensitive to power structures and how they're enacted. Right? Okay, I'm going to go to something else on my list. What did it call? Body struggle. That's what I had on that list. Body struggle. And what that means is that that sensitivity that I have, it's so much. And it's more, it's more than I can intellectually process. So it gets stored in my body. My body absorbs it. And I feel it in the body. I don't necessarily, I feel it. And uh, you guys, I'm really fighting tears right now. Just so you know. So <laughs> it is what it is. Like I, I'm like, a part of me wants to process, like, why do you want to cry right now? What does that mean? Um, I, just, I think it means there's just so much stored up in me. And particularly during this time, I think that's what's happening. Like I'm picking up on so much right now. So much. So I'm with my person on Thursday. Um, and she's starting to lose her hair. Um, and she's so skinny. She doesn't look like the person that I know, right? So that's hard. That's hard. That is hard to watch y'all. So when my grandmother went through this, I was out of, I was living in a different state. So I didn't, I didn't really get to see the deteriorate, the breakdown. And so by the time I was in the physical presence with my grandmother, she died two weeks later. So you know what I mean? Like I didn't have that sustained time of watching her body break down. What I do remember with my grandmother is that, which I thought was hard for me at the time, was watching her body, watching her watch her body break down while her mind was still sharp. That was hard. My grandmother was very aware that her body was breaking down, but her body wasn't. I mean, her mind wasn't. So she was fully aware. When my dad died of cancer and his body, my father was very, very um, um, protective of that. So he didn't really allow a lot of people to, when he got to a certain size, he didn't allow anybody to see that. And so um, there was a day I had to go get his medication, which he didn't really want me to do, but I wanted to do it. But then I was late getting the medication. And then he was mad about that. <laughs> so anyway, I didn't know there was a timeline. I, I got it within the morning, but I didn't, I, I must have been, I did it within a three hour window. And um, I didn't, I literally, if I had known that he needed, to, you know, right away, I don't think he did. But anyway. So he sent his wife downstairs to get, so to give me the money for the medication. And I was like, why are you greeting me at the door? I want to go up. I want to go and see my dad. Well, she didn't really, I don't know if she was, I think she was supposed to block me. But if she did, it didn't work. <laughs> so I walked up the stairs, right? I was, I don't, I didn't push her out the way or anything, but I was just like, I want to see my dad. So I went up the stairs and I went and walked in. He was so angry. He, he, that was the last time I saw my dad. He did not look like himself. And, uh, 
Um, uh, he probably died a month after that. And so, even though I saw that, I didn't have a daily, weekly experience with the body breaking down. And I'm I'm doing this with my person. And I'm having a hard time with it, y'all. Because, oh God, anyway, I just, we have to, I have to process some of that later because it's just too much to try to process now. But anyway, Whew, okay. So there's a lot that is data and that is, that in and of itself is hard. And then the relationship that I have with my person is complicated. It's historical. And even though, and I read an article recently, even though in my mind, I can say that's the past, that stuff, that, that complication, that stuff is in the past. It's in my, my body is being triggered. I, I wish I could explain to you all the sensation in my body when I'm around. Um, when I'm around this person. And I'm trying to think. And it's probably been like that even before she was ill. But I don't ha- I was there was no requirement for me to stay in close proximity so I could move in and out of that discomfort without probably even being conscious of it well now I can't move away because I'm like um on one hand I'm expected to be there with her and I don't think that's just an a societal expectation I think it's an expectation that I'm having for myself and so there's that the historical component and in how that is in my body the trauma part because when I do share the story it's very complicated uh, so there's very, very much real trauma that's in my body that's being triggered. And so, and then I think the third part of it is, and this is where the HSP part of me comes in, and it's more about being highly sensitive uh, as, as an intuitive. Um, I've done a lot, a lot of work around healing. I've done a lot of work around healing. And what I told myself, oh God, there's a lot here. When you in make that kind of investment to heal, to grow, and then you are in the world that you were harmed in, it really is a no-go. It's not an easy thing to do. It's not. Um, You, it's, I don't know how, I don't, I don't know how other people do it, but it's almost like you've got to, you can't, you can't heal and go back to the, to the world that harmed you. It just doesn't make sense. And even though sometimes you don't have a choice. So, um, uh, so anyway, I, I had to hit the pause button again because I'm like trying to fight these distractions in my head. So then the other thing is that as an intuitive person with this person, oh, I know what I was saying. This person has not been on a healing journey. And there are several points of rupture and fracture for this person historically from their own childhood. And I can feel it. 
And I feel two things. I can feel, I feel, and this is me, this, I feel sad that this person may not get a chance to heal emotionally and, and, um, uh, what's the word? Psychologically. That makes me sad for the person that they may not get to heal emotionally and psychologically because their body is breaking down. Um, it also is a sadness of, I fear that in that, in that woundedness that, that from intergenerational trauma, if they are disconnected from themselves, from the inner self, and that feels lonely to me. Uh, I was listening to some content this week about loneliness. Loneliness isn't about having no one around. I don't have enough knowledge or information to break it down for you. But it, being lonely and solitude and loneliness are not the same. So I've, I, I, I pick up, now I could be wrong, but energetically, I pick up that she has a loneliness with herself. And I've known this for a while. Mm -mm, mm -mm, that's not fair. I have felt this for a while, sensationally, not emotionally felt this, but there's a sensation of being HSP. As an intuitive, I can feel it. I know this sounds woo-woo, but it is what it is. So, and honestly, I've had to navigate that. And I think that's, that's, that loops us back to the complications I've had with this person historically because their inability to attend to that, some of that stuff within, that's within their, that's their responsibility to attend to, a good portion of that has been projected onto me. And if I said 70% of it, I would, I would be very conservative, but let's just go. 70% of that, their woundedness is projected onto me. You won't, I have to give you more of this when I'm ready to, you probably can guess who the person is. That's fine. But when I'm ready to really break that down, and I think there's a need for me be, for me to be protective of the person, right? So I have historically have learned as I would, as I've gone through my healing journey, I, when I'm in the presence of that individual, I'm navigating those projections or I'm not around. So a big portion of my healing has been to not, to, to just, or be very, have real strong boundaries. And those boundaries have really not sat well with my person. Those boundaries have felt like an assault on my person. So anyway. Anyway, all of that, all of those feels, right? I'm, I'm with her Thursday and it's, I'm overwhelmed by it. So I call my sister the next day. <sighs> my sister can't handle it. And I think on some level, subconsciously, I know she can't handle it. I, I think I know that, but in my heightened, Pain and confusion and this, this tingly, awful feeling, this struggle in my body. It is a real physical sensation that I, I'm not able to be rational. 
I'm not able to be rational and say, don't call her with that. She can't handle it. Okay, let's take this back to Solo. This is, And um, I might have to do two parts on this because there's so much more to say. And But it was, remember the list? There were 10 things on that piece of paper. <laughs> but um, this is, so going back to Solo and, and having the right structure is having a, a community of people that I don't have. Now, interestingly enough, which goes to the three white men on my paper today, that three white men, three white men from three different parts of my life. Ironically, I spent time with all three of them, the three of them this week. There were probably two, maybe two other white men in my life that I got very close to. Um, and this, that I, as close to these, it's about five, five of them. Well, three of them I spent time with this week and I haven't been spending time with them. And I didn't realize that until I spent time with the third white guy. And I'm like, yo, what has been up with this week? All, uh, all three, one was Tuesday, I think. Tuesday, Wednesday and Friday. And, and y'all want to hear something funny? The third one spent the night. <laughs> he spent the night. He's never slept. I've never had. I've never had that before. So the closest that I've had these white men that I would say I have really good. I thought I had a a close friendship with a really good friendship with. And to the, I would say. I would say to a certain extent, yes. But I, one of the things I've been processing this week as it relates to people in general, but including the the white men, but not just about them being male or, or white, but just so happened that they were male and white, um, is my woundedness has really harmed my ability to assess a situation as viable. To assess a relationship as viable. Like what is a healthy relationship. Um, and so you guys have heard me kind of processing that. But for whatever reason. I feel like I'm moving into a deeper level of. Awareness around it. Because most of this has been focusing. Most of my awareness has been focused on. Romantic relationships like making sure I never go into another romantic relationship and lose myself the way I did because I didn't have the ability to assess the relationship as healthy or unhealthy. I didn't have my traffic signal, red red light, yellow light, green light, was broken. And that's how I ended up in that 10-year relationship. And and I I do also understand that that traffic, traffic signal is Broken as it relates to friendship. I do get that. As it relates to historical friends. So I've been trying to make new friends. And I'm like. While I'm making friends. I got this consciousness of. You don't have the best traffic signal. To determine how to enter into closeness with this person. Or not. So over the last two years. Since the in the life of this project. This podcast has been around for three years. Within the last two years. I've been thinking. I've become aware that's because there is, we all as social beings have a need to do intimacy work. 
I have picked, I'm, I've watched, I've become aware of that I've picked people to be intimate with and not, not sexual intimacy. But they, those weren't the right people to do that intimacy with. It's just, um, I don't even, definitely not sexual intimacy. So, is it, I don't know, would it be emotional intimacy? Would it be intellectual intimacy? I'm not 100% sure. But I, it's like, like odd. And I didn't think of it as odd until I had to go back and look at it. Like, why would you, why would you open up and share that with that person like that? Why would you do that? That's a question I asked myself afterwards. Like, what was that about? So bringing this all back to solo again, right? And trying to have the resources to, because you have to have a, according to this, and I believe it, but this episode, Freedom and Community, was all about having people. Well, I don't have the the highest emotional um, bandwidth. I think that's in large part because I'm an INTJ. I think I would say, I would say I would say that's 70% true. Excuse me, 70% the reason. Because I don't, I don't, I don't enjoy the emotional part. But then there's another portion of this. I'm in a different room managing privacy. Um, there's another portion of this that is a trauma response. So let's go to another piece, another thing on my list, attachment theory. Um, there are four types of uh, attachments. One is a secure attachment and three are considered insecure attachments. Let's see if I can do it. Avoidant. Something. Dismissive avoidant. Passive avoidant. And... Anxious, pre, anxious, anxious, preoccupied, preoccupied, anxious, or something like that. And uh, um, why did I bring that up? Um, I'm doing a lot of pausing, you guys. So if my thinking is interrupted, my apologies. Again, I keep saying my apologies. What the hell? Um, so in terms of those. Um, attachment styles, you know, I'd love to say that I'm securely attached. I don't think that's true. I'd like to be though. I, I feel like I have, all, I, <laughs> I feel like I have the readiness to, to live in that space. Cause what I liked about the, some content that I took in this morning about attachment styles is that even for securely attached people, um, you know, you you still have because each each attachment style is based on a core wound, a, a core woundedness, and so even though the securely attached person does still have some woundedness, they know how to navigate it, and I feel like that is me, you know. Um, but you have to do that with with someone else. You can't you can't identify as having healthy attachment when you're not attached. <laughs> Um, so I, I would like to say I am making my way towards being a healthy, attached individual. Um, 
and um, I would like to say that I'm in. I'm, I'm making my way towards that that uh, quadrant, if you will, and um, I feel pretty good about it. About you know, like I started saying earlier, I've made a lot of investment. I'm I've invested a lot of resources into my healing um, from the intergenerational trauma. And there's some other trauma that happens um, around uh, class, race, and gender. But um, I think the, the 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 familial trauma is what I have to contend with the most. And for the most part, I do, um, which is why, well, it's too, uh, well, I, let me say this. I, I, I'm con- I'm going to contradict myself. I can hear it because I want to say for the most part, I do. I'm not. I don't deal with it. I mean, I don't have a lot of conflict because I stay away. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, so that's the avoidant. Like, um, um, one is dismissive avoidant. I've kind of just learned to just be like, it is what it is. And I just avoid, I avoid relationships, you know, but I don't know if I'm avoiding them like exclusively, you know. I don't know. That's still, this is where I want to get to the solo community because I don't know what portion of that soloness is about avoidance versus something more positively stated. Like, I just like spending time with myself. I like protecting my inner, I like protecting my energy. I like being independent, right? But, you know, so I, 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 I do have some questions and confusion there because you could still say, well, why are you protecting your energy? Why do you want to be by yourself? Because at the end of the day, we're social beings and we are wired to be in community. Um, then I want to go, I can push that. Are we wired that way? Because that is what our um, level of civilization required. You know, so as hunters and gatherers, we couldn't be alone. They talked about this in the podcast episode, uh, Freedom and Community. I thought was a good point. Like now we have the technologies that will allow us to have more independence. Whereas before, we didn't have those technologies to, to allow for independence. So what really is it about? Like, what is it really, what does it really, really mean to be a social being when we talk about our wiring? I mean, I think that's an anthropo, anthropological, anthro, that's a question for an anthropo, anthropologist struggling a little bit. So anyway, I'm not going to be able to get to the heart of those, that question in this episode, but that is, you know, the, the idea of, um, you know, Am I attached? Do I do attachment to people from a secure point? I'd like to say that I do, <laughs> or I'm ready. I'll put it that way. I'm re- I'm ready. But one of the things about uh, fearful avoidant is that you are also trying to navigate. I kind of took it as these toxic conditions in the outer world. 
So whereas the dismissive avoidant is just not even going to even attend to it, a fearful avoidant will be out there trying to do attachments, but also at the same time trying to navigate some of those harms. So the lady that I listened to today talked about, um, you know, fight, flight, fight, flight, freeze, or fawn, right? Those are the ways that we respond to uh, distress, to harm, to hot, unsafe spaces. And so um, a dismissive avoidant is going to do flight. I think. And a fearful avoidant will do fight. That in and of, in and of itself would say... <laughs> That's me, right? So I think in the past, I think that's what I did. That's what I did in the past. I was like, hey, we got to fight it out. We, I'm not going to run from the fight. And then I got to a place, you know, starting in my 30s, my mid to late 30s, where I was like, yo, I, I shouldn't have to fight. I started realizing that. I started realizing that I shouldn't have to fight. I started realizing that that was the character that my family system wanted me to take on. I'm like, I'm not taking that on. So I went into uh, flight. I, I started staying away. Well, here comes this a different relationship with my sister in my late 30s, which happened at the same time of my, ten, my second 10-year relationship, which for whatever reason feels like there's a correlation, this emergence of, you know, this declaration of we need to be close. And I took her at her word for it. And I still think that I still want to believe I'm going to choose to believe that she wants that, but I, she doesn't want to do the the work that's required. And maybe she does, but right now, as we're in this incredibly difficult season, her bandwidth to do that work is just very limited. And that's something I actually have been making room for, but I needed us to talk it out. I feel like I'm going to start jumping around here in these different systems because the content I listened to today talked about um, when you are in the secure attachment space, you know that you have to be communicative, aware. Like these are the qualities that I don't believe uh, my sister is embodying right now. I think at times in the past she has been more willing to embody that. She may be saying the same thing about me, which would be her prerogative, but um, but that's what happened in our fight on Friday because I called her to try to talk through some of these feels. And because I'm an INTJ, I'm not going to be like, I feel sad. I feel scared, although I'm trying to do better at naming those emotions. I really, really am. Um um, what was the other thing? I'm going to start analyzing it. You know, I'm going to start analyzing, going into research, going into theory. And she, she kind of pushed back on, on that in a really weird way, which I, it's still kind of confusing how I'm still a little confused by her reaction. She accused me of being defensive because I started responding in a way that she thought was defensive. And 
I think it's fair to say that she picked up on something, how I was responding. I do not think it was fair for her to say, you're defensive, and then locking it in. And then she's going to respond to me according to her diagnosis of it. And like I said to her, I said, can I give you a suggestion in the future? In the future, you can say, you know, you feel defensive. Is that is what's going on? Right. That's a higher communication and emotional skill. Right. You don't just you can't be in a relationship with somebody and say and give them a, a diagnosis and say you. I mean, we know that's communications one on one. You don't go into you statements. And she did that. And it was so bizarre, though, like, like, cause I consider myself as have, I consider my sister as having some fairly, um, sophisticated communication skills because of work. I've talked about it before. Yet in that moment, she didn't. But, and, you know, this is, it's a stressful time. It is, is she's okay. It's, she's, isn't, it's in, she's entitled to half her own stress points. You know what I mean? Like, I feel pretty secure and confident about that. What I'm not going to do, though, is engage in dysfunctional ways just because we're going through a very stressful time. I'm not going to, I'm not going to co-sign that. I'm not going to go, well, it's a stressful time. This is just what we're going to do. So what I'm going to do is pull back, you know, um, and that's unfortunate, but, um, one thing I've realized since the, the fight on Friday is I actually have a greater level of peace. And I must start bringing closure because I haven't, I've covered some of the things on the list, <laughs> but, um, um, there's so much I want to say, but anyway, um, I've been fawning my sister. So I'm not in fight mode with her. I've not been in flight mode. There has been some freezing, but it's been a lot of fawning. That's not me. And I've been noticing this for, since my dad died, actually. It started be, I started having, when we had our first disagreement was during the year of the pandemic. Cause when I, I did an episode on civil, I think I called it sibling rivalry or something like that. I need to go back and listen to that episode because I really, that was the start of it. And then we had these conversations and it, it appeared that all was well, but it's been progressive. It's been whatever this dynamic between us has been escalating uh, since then. And I've got a couple of theories about it, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. What, what matters is I'm not going to engage in an unhealthy attachment, but I was doing that. And I didn't, I did not know how to give myself permission to detangle myself from that. She was the last, she was the last entanglement. She was, she's my last entanglement uh, in terms of unhealthy entanglement. And I wanted to believe that we could get through this together and we can go do the work. Right, we can go to therapy to do the work because this is all stemming from intergenerational trauma. It really is. It's not about her. It's not about me. It's not about the other individuals in the family. It's about a family. It's about a system. A system that has been responding to some historical harm. So I can give her. 
I can I can give my sister so much grace. I really, really, I really, really can. And I can love on myself. And I can make sure that my traffic light is working and saying, you don't need to, you cannot, you cannot be in an unhealthy space. And um, I think the argument with my sister and how she acted was what I, it was the evidence that I needed that we are not well. Because if we were well, it wouldn't have gone down like that. It wouldn't have gone down. My sister has demonstrated in other times her ability to engage differently. Even if, like I said to you, you know, even if I was being defensive, let's just say I was. How, she would, she didn't respond to that in love. She didn't, she didn't respond. She's responded to it in stress. She really, really did. And so, you know, I understand that, but at the same time, it, it, it is, it's just, that's just easier for me to, that's easier for me to, uh, detangle myself from. When it gets to that level, um, that's easy. And in the past, when I say in the past, like in my twenties and my teens, if it would have gotten to that level, then there would, it would have moved into fight. Not that I would have physically started fighting, but I would have engaged that. No, I did. My sister and I got into a shouting match. I had to force myself to do that. It felt very unnatural for me, but I had to force myself to do it. I and mean, I had to explain why at another time. So we got into this yelling match over the, and I wasn't trying to yell at her, but I was talking over, I was going to finish the points that I was trying to make while she was in her stress mode. And so she ended up hanging up on me and, uh, and she was like, now that I'm, she sent me a text that I'm not going to deal with. You weren't going to deal with any of it. <laughs> that was the problem. You didn't want to deal with any of it. You've not, she's not been wanting to deal with any really, and she can't handle it. She just can't. So anyway, I'm, you, I don't know if you guys can hear me trying to make peace and then set some healthy boundaries for myself. Like I'm trying to make peace, give her grace, and I'm trying to have some healthy boundaries. And so um, it is what it is. But it, it for me, the, 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 for me, the story isn't about what happened on Friday. It's about this escalation uh, for the past few years. It's about an escalation. It's about an unwillingness to confront that escalation and what's underneath it. So I say all of that to say that I feel really relieved now that I'm not on that escalator anymore. I'm not on the escalator of progression where it's getting progressively worse. I can see it as an, and there's nothing I can do about it because she's not been able to confront it. Right. So now the situation has manifested to a point where you can't ignore it. And in that way, it is a relief for me because now it's no longer in an intuitive space. Now we have something tangible. And so anyway, so I literally feel better. <laughs> I, I, I'm sad, but I feel better. It's really weird. It feels really weird. And so does that take me back to the dismissive Avoidant attachment, like we're not going to do this. We're not going. We're going to we're going to distance ourselves from that. Maybe, or maybe it's what you have to do when you're healthy, and you have to give people room to breathe. Because 
I was going to her around how I was feeling with our person, and she couldn't handle it. And she couldn't say it. And that's and there's another attachment style that really speaks to how I see. I, I wonder if that's my sister, but, you know, I try not to go too off into diagnosing people because I need to worry about my own shit. You know what I mean? So, so anyway, I am going to probably do a part two on the forest uh, just because I really want to wrap up this whole conversation about do I have the resources to, um, do I have the resources to, um, I'm sorry, do I have a, the resources to really lean into a solo lifestyle? And currently, no. I don't, I think I have been doing, I am solo, I've been doing solely and solo with a lot of conflict because I haven't been proactive with it, but kind of like reactive, responding, adjusting. And what I want to do is start tr- trying to be solo in a more proactive, instructive way. And I, that means I'm going to have to build community for that. And I, so I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to YouTube and I'm going to talk about the forest (laughs) just because it's going to be a 15 minute uh, short. I forgot to tell you last week's episode, I did a 15 minute clip. It's ready to go. I just haven't uploaded it, but you know what? That's not true. Before I release this episode today, I'm going to upload that episode. So by the time you hear me, that episode from last, the belonging episode on YouTube as a continuation of the conversation will be up if you want to check that out. And then once I up, then I'm going to go and do a part two for this on YouTube where I'm going to wrap it up in the metaphor that they, that was introduced in that podcast called The Force. You guys, I got about three minutes left to do the closeout and your assignment, but let me just go through this list to see which ones I attached. Out of the 10, I connected to the triangle, the fight with my sister, attachment theory, body suffering, I mentioned the force, but I didn't deal with it. I mentioned the three white men. I didn't tell you much about other than the fact that I hung out with them and one spent the night at my house and no, there was no sex. We slept in separate rooms, but there's a story to that because why was it was very weird to have this man on my sofa when I woke up the next day. But anyway, um, I didn't wellness and purpose. I didn't talk about next level commitment. So let me see. I did one, two, three, four, five. I did five out of the 10. I'm pretty impressed, okay? I don't know what I'm going to name this episode, but hey, you guys, if this reflection has had any value for you, please give it a heart. If um, my talking about um, going solo, which has really been about, so it is not about going solo, but it's really been about all of the readiness and the some of the questions Questions that I still have. There's some questions that I need to attend to before I can fully embrace it. Um, be, be, before I can really say that I'm solid, solidly solo um, around fam, some family stuff and, you know, attachment theory and being highly sensitive. But anyway, if any of this uh, conversation 
Any, any of these talking points connect to a conversation that you've had in the world, please take this link and share with those participants. If my moving about in this reflection, and it was, these are longer ones, I'm sorry, but going weekly kind of creates this incredible buildup that I'm trying to put it all in one single cohesive concept and it just doesn't always work. But if my moving about in this reflection has caused some randomness in you, I'd love to hear it. You can find me on my website at yourandidom.wordpress.com, Twitter, yourandidom1. Facebook and YouTube, you're an idol. Let me give you your assignment. I want to scale out from soloness because I know I think I have some of you that I've that have re- that have come to me from this solo space, solo poly space. Um, but I want to scale back more broadly and just ask the question: Is there anything that you are pursuing in your life that you have to stop and do an analysis, a readiness analysis? How ready are you to do the thing that you say you want to do? Well, how ready are you? What is readiness? That's a better question. What does readiness mean? What does it entail? What does it look like? And then what are the barriers? What are the barriers? Oh my God. What are the barriers to that readiness? And I would invite you to, to whatever it is that you've been considering moving towards in your life, do a readiness assessment. What is what does it mean? What does it look like? What does it feel like? You know, and then what are barriers to you getting to that place? You guys, it's been a pleasure hanging out with you. I hope you come into YouTube because I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap this conversation up about going solo into a forest map, the metaphor that I was introduced from the solo podcast. So please go there. But you guys, it's been a pleasure hanging out with you until I come back. Be well. Bye.